Welcome to another Rum and Sam podcast. We can go for. We can go, yeah. We can go for a while, long while. Um, we're a little, we're a little um, off and on, a little delay. So, um, hopefully, we'll be able to not be too off. I'll try to time it correctly. Um, but we got some topics, mostly NBA, um, a little NFL. Um, uh, starting off the top. Stephen Dame comparisons. I'm not going to lie. I'm one of the people who does Wait, it. can I read something before we go? Oh, all right. I, I, got this, I got this alert on Bleach Report right before, right before we started. And apparently, the commissioner of the WNBA after this season is thinking about expansion. So I feel like it's time for us to throw our hats in the ring. And see if anybody that's like wants to be like an owner of a WNBA team will take us as part of an ownership group. Right. I don't think we have a lot of money to uh, to put in, but I think we should throw our hats in the ring and see if we could be uh, be be part of an ownership group for a WNBA team. So here it is. Somebody somebody hit us go. up and let us know because uh, take our one dollar. I'm down three cents in the podcast amount. Shoot. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> love to open WNBA. I had someone blowing up my LinkedIn asking to promote my podcast, the podcast, and I'm like, I don't, I don't have money to pay you. And he's like, Oh, you know, pay three hundred or something more a week. I'm like, Me and want money? Like, I'm not gonna scam you here. So that was that was a really weird combo. Um, but yeah, no. I mean, shoot, maybe they'll bring a WNBA team to Des Moines. Who knows? We'll have to see. Might have to. Des Moines kind of chill. Like, I feel like that'd be a really good city for it. They got the night. The Wells Fargo Center is pretty nice. Like, they've played tournament games and stuff there. Yeah. I mean, the Iowa Wolves are already there, so they have some experience with, like, there some basketball teams. I think, it'd, I think it'd be a good city for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we could use a town, a good national team. Anyway. Um, you ready to jump in on these topics? Um, well, yeah, let's go. Um, I think this has probably like been the worst time of year for people who compare Steph and Dame because Dame has started cooling off. I'm a Trailblazers fan in my life, so I have to oh, got to keep track of the Trailblazers just to talk to them about it. And, um, and it's not like I'm not t- paying attention to the league. It's just I'm not don't know De'Aaron Fox's ups and downs. So anyway, um, with Dame, I mean, there was earlier in the season where he was like, you know, being almost a questionably an MVP. And then like now he's kind of plateaued. Like he's been, I think, putting up like less than 20 points, you know, 12, 15 here and there. And Curry's gone crazy. Like last night he had 54. I think the night before he might have had 48. I mean, he just became the all-time leading scorer for the Warriors, a team that had Will Chamberlain, who, you know, was just ridiculous. And, uh, I mean, I I think that, I mean, obviously, I've always said that Curry is on another level. I mean, it's not really an argument, but I think people are like, well, you know, Dame's underrated, you know, in that system and stuff. And it's like, no, Curry did deserve his unanimous MVP. That's why it was unanimous, you know. He's a two-time back-to-back. You know, he's he carried some great teams. I mean, 2016, that season, you know, is up there as one of the best. I mean, I think I just saw a video going through the numbers and arguing it's like top 10, maybe top five uh, season ever. So, I mean, you know, and Dame's never had that. He's sure they've had similar situations, and I understand the comparisons. But Curry's just another level. Yeah, I get I get the Dame Lillard love. Like, he's a ton of fun. You know, I love watching Lillard. But the fact that people every year try to try to build up the Lillard is basically like Curry. He's just was in the worst situation. And, you know, he didn't have Durant, didn't have Clay, all this exactly. stuff. Like, I get it. Curry got – he got, like, a little bit annoying there for a second. You know, like – he was hitting too many threes. He's celebrating too much. They're winning too many titles. They're impossible to beat. And we needed a guy that was like, could do all the stuff that Steph could do, but, you know, didn't annoy us because he wasn't beating all of our teams every night and kept, kept us from winning like titles and stuff. 
but it's it's not even it's not even close. Like the level that Curry yeah. can go to night to night is so far and above like what Lillard Lillard can do. Like the Warriors, the Warriors this year, like they they suck. The Warriors are bad. That roster is terrible. And Curry can just pull these games out against like like a real high level team. Like we'll get to the Nuggets in a second because uh, Murray got hurt. But like yeah. I thought that they had maybe the best like four five-man lineup besides the Nets in the NBA after their Aaron Gordon trade, especially with the way Murray's been playing lately. And Porter, your boy Porter Jr.'s, you know, become like a consistent 20-point-a-game scorer for the last month or two. But I just it, – it, it drives me nuts that people still think that just because Lillard's out here hitting these logo shots. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to, like, you know uh, – Stop, uh, stomp on the Lillard people, but the the argument that it's uh, that he can do everything that Steph can do, and if you just kind of flip Dame and Steph, like you don't really miss much. Like to me, that's that's honestly insane. Since he came back from the tailbone injury, Curry has been averaging forty points. All right, that's five, four or five games, forty points, four assists, six rebounds on. 50%, 56% from the field, 46 from three, and 89.4%. So, you know, point, point 0.6% away from averaging 40 points on 50, 40, 90. I mean, that's just freaking crazy. Like, he's putting up 22 shots, and, like, he's doing it efficiently. Like, you know, there's, there's no argument here. Like, oh, you know, you there's always, you know, does someone put up too many shots? And... You know, there's that whole James Harden thing where the offense is made around him. But with Curry, when the offense is made around him, it it still feels natural. It doesn't feel forced. It doesn't feel like you're trying to drive a, you know, a circle peg in a round or square hole. You know, you get what I'm saying. It doesn't feel like they're trying to force it down the throat. And he just runs around and tires out the other team. And, you know, maybe once in a while someone else is open because of it. And, uh, I mean, I personally think that offense is smarter as it, you know, detracts, you know, uh, um, uh, off-ball defenders. And people tend to be – the players tend to be worse off-ball defenders than on-ball defenders because – kind of hard to practice that so you know you forget about your assignment and there you go open you see damian lee getting an open three so and the and like the offensive rating when he is off and on is just out of this world i mean it makes sense when you look at the team but still like that's still i mean these are still professional basketball players like i think it'd be a little closer so yeah no it's 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 crazy the kinds of wins curry gets and He's just he's just showing he's on another level because I think this is the first year that he's like it is like an actual you know argument that he has a team pretty much the same level as um, Dame because before now you know he had Curry and Draymond Green so he had two really good guys while Dame had only CJ who's off and on and you know the rest of the team is kind of like I mean he had Mo Harkless and Alfarika a little bit there but they're okay. But this year, you know, they pretty much have comparable teams. I mean, you know, Draymond Green has gotten regressed so far back, and everyone else on that team's eh. And, like, at least Dame has CJ. You know, he had Gary Trent, who just dropped 40 a couple games back, and now he has Norman Powell. Nurkic was back for a little bit, but then his knee got hurt, and then Cantor. I mean, I'd take Cantor over Kevon Looney anytime. But So I, I think Dame arguably has the better team, but Curry is still, like, going crazy and you know he's still right there in the standings to get his team into the playoffs so let's run the let's run the experiment that i just mentioned like let's let's have them switch teams like how many guys on the blazers would you rather have than guys on the warriors i mean i would i you know you have to take you would i would take mccollum over anybody i would take powell uh you know like you then you start getting, like over draymond even now even now yeah it's not even close I don't think it's even close. Yeah, Draymond. I mean, I get I get the value that he provides yeah. still, but I he's so limited offensively at this point that yeah, you would absolutely have to take McCollum. Yeah. I would argue you could argue there's a Norman Powell argument. I think just ra- having a yeah. twenty point a game scorer out there. I mean that that one's going to sound crazy just because of the names, but if you watch yeah. the games and look at the numbers, and I get like Norman Powell's been like a you know kind of yeah. inconsistent with the Blazers here, but. 
I would rather have the the combo guard that could get me twenty points a game in a playoff game rather than. And maybe I maybe I'm speaking too soon because you know maybe Draymond has another level he can go to in the playoffs this year. But yeah, I mean that Warriors team is that Warriors team is bad, and yeah, I'm like as a Spurs fan, you know, we're in this race for this uh, for this like uh, these like last like four playoff spots here with this new playing game uh-huh. thing. And if you look at all the teams around like Dallas, New Orleans, Golden State. Like they just, they all have these star players, and Curry's the only one that kind of has like the trash team. Yeah. And yet they're somehow still like right on the edge there, and he's even missed time. So like if he hasn't, if he's not missing as much time as he as he has this year, like that team is, e- I think, easily in the play-in game. And I'm not trying yeah. to, you know, that sounds like a that sounds like not like the best accomplishment in the world, but I think that's, uh, I think it's pretty major for how for how. Uh, how poorly the roster is at this point. I mean, point. it's just, I mean, you have Wiggins playing 41 minutes. Like, what the Kent Bazemore is playing 35 minutes on this team. I mean, Toscano is playing 24. Like, war. you know, it, when you three out of your seven main guys, you know, you could blink and they'd be in the G League kind of guys. Like, you know, I, it's kind of, it's, it's so surprising that they got the win, but. Um, something that was really sad to see, which I mean, even Curry, you know, with his own injuries, knew how painful it was, was Jamal's um injury. I mean, I there was like a moment there you could see like that leg kind of like got overextended, like you could see almost where it tore. And um, that's a tough injury. I mean, I know it's a the jump kind of uh question, but you know, with no Jamal, I, I you know, are the Nuggets still up there? Like uh, they're not an elite contender anymore, but like I feel like they could, you know, maybe surprise a team considering the playmaking of Jokic. I mean, I just don't know how you lose your primary perimeter creator and still try to like compete for a title. Mm-hmm. I guess Jokic can do the perimeter stuff, but you still, I don't know, you still need the guard perimeter guy mm-hmm. on the team. I guess the Lakers don't have that, but they have LeBron, and LeBron can just do everything and. <laughs> Yeah. You know, we don't know. We don't know if Jokic can is can do everything the way LeBron can. We I, we know he can do everything, but can he do it the way that a guy like LeBron, Durant, you know, Kawhi when Kawhi made his run, like can he can he do that kind of stuff? I I don't know yet. So I don't know how you just lose your 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 point guard. You know, three point like if you need a shot, if you need a three point shot like the end of the game, like who are they going to? They're going to Murray. Like, and then you just lose that. Like I did. I don't know how you lose that and then still still be yeah. considered like a team that because there's always teams that like we know that could win the title and there's mm-hmm. like the next tier down that's like you know maybe they could win the title and I feel like with the four man lineup that they had they were in that definite mm-hmm. like oh yeah this is a team that should be competing for the title like this might be the best team in the West now mm-hmm. and now they're just like you know if this team's in the Western Conference Finals yeah I wouldn't be shocked but this you know this is not a Finals team anymore. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I definitely agree with that. I think this team is probably the best equipped to handle a loss like this. Like, if you look over the league, if you really had – if you had one team you had to pick to lose their primary playmaker, I mean, considering the way this team plays, how it revolves around the control tower that is Jokic and how they're really great at playmaking, there is that. But – I think late game, you do need an initiator like Jamal Murray. And that's why they they had a huge loss against the Celtics where they only scored eight points in a quarter. They had a 31 to eight run in the final quarter. And it was like, you know, I feel then they that's when you kind of need like, you know, that second star when the first one, you know, is walling out because there's they got in Jokic head. And, you know, someone to slow it down, be like, okay, you know, he's been through this stuff. And, I mean, obviously, Michael Porter, you know, I love the kid, but you he, he doesn't he, – he just tends to, like, be like, go, go, go. And, you know, Gordon, he doesn't have that experience. So, I think they – considering the playoffs where you do need an initiator late game, I mean, it's already crunched, extra crunched as is. And once you start playing against the elite teams in the second and third round, I think that's where it's going to start hurting. But I think for the rest of the regular season, they'll be able to patch things together. Um, I did have a question. How much, uh, how much uh, Jamal Murray Ewing theory do you think is going to be out there? Because, I mean, I can, I can still, uh, like, see the case for it. I can uh, see the case for it. Like, 
Monte Morris is is good. He's really solid. That's true. It's not you know they didn't lose Jokic like they yeah. lost Murray. They lost their second guy. Yeah. And Porter. I mean, if if I would be more surprised if Porter like jumps up a level than if he just like kind of stayed where he was at. And he is like up level from where he was. He's a twenty mm-hmm. point a game guy now, like on yeah. a pretty consistent basis. But I don't see him like going to like twenty five a twenty five a night, at least this year, anyways. So I can. I get the argument for the 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 Murray Ewing theory if it if it emerges, but yeah. I mean this they they've got a Composo playing twenty minutes a game for him, and if his they, minutes have to go up, like I you know they need to cut those minutes asap because him on defense is just such a big liability. It's, it's yeah, you can't have him out there in a playoff series so on defense. Bad. There's no way. Like I you know I don't want to be hating on the guy who had to scrap everything to get in the league. But if I'm probably taller than you, then there's probably a problem. Like, you know, you have guys just scoring over him easily. Like I've I've seen people who they call like turnstiles, like, you know, like the trailblazers, you know, Damian Lillard, he's too short and stuff. Facundo's actually too short. Like Damian, you know, he might be a he might be a little on the other side, but like anyone can score on Composo. It doesn't matter how short you are. Like that's that's just it, it's it, it, they really need to cut those minutes ASAP. Um, I mean, I don't like. I'm not. I don't have the Denver Nuggets uh, uh, roster up right now, but you know, maybe get some Bobo uh, love. You know, I mean, some some young guy off the bench who's been waiting for the moment. You know, show as well, long. It's gonna as have to be like PJ PJ Dozier or something like that. Yeah, He's gonna that have too. to step in. And think about the guys that they're gonna be playing in the playoffs, like mm-hmm. Luca, LeBron, <laughs> like guys like that that are just gonna just kill him and switches and i mean murray's already a liability but at least offensively like yeah he could potentially be like really elite i mean we've seen him do it even like utah like if mitchell if mitchell's gonna take 40 shots a game like he wants to like there's no better team to do it than if they're gonna have to switch Composo on him in you know these like second third like early fourth quarter minutes that they need to just get by like he's just gonna get killed so i you know and I think and Gordon Gordon too is like mm-hmm. his value on the team is you bring him in and you add him to all these creators. You have two shot creators. You have Jokic. You have Murray. Porter can create out of the corner, and then you have Gordon cutting and doing all this stuff around these guys. So to expect him to like take a step up as a shot creator is not kind of what you brought him in there for, and now probably what they're going to need him to do. So we're going to have to see how he does in that role as well. Yeah, I mean that makes sense. Um, yeah, no hate for the short kings, but yeah, I mean, with the way teams are ruthless nowadays, they won't care. Like they'll try to get him on a switch every time. Um, but speaking of another short guy, um, I saw a lot of Chris Paul love for MVP, and I was like, yeah, I don't know, I don't know. I mean, I love what Chris Paul is doing down there, but. I don't know if if he should really get the MVP. I don't know. Are you which way are you leaning for the MVP right now? I'm still with Jokic. I don't I don't know if I would necessarily have one MVP at this point, but I'm still in my mind like forming like a ballot, like a top five, mm-hmm. and then maybe at the end of the year I'll just be like, okay, this is kind of the guy that I don't know. We're gonna have to see what happens when LeBron comes back because if LeBron comes back and just goes on an absolute tear and like makes you forget about the injury that he had, then, you know, maybe that's the MVP. Maybe Embiid continues to have the stretch. Because, I mean, we're looking at the missed games like at this point in the season, but if we look at it at the end of the season and go, well, maybe Embiid didn't actually miss that many games. Like he could still probably be MVP. Like he still might win it. So I'm not ready, I'm not ready to just crown Jokic as the MVP at just because these guys are hurt right now. But I, I get it. So I'm not, I'm, again, I'm not saying that that's the wrong way to go. But I would rather have Curry on my MVP ballot than than Chris Paul. Yeah, I mean, there's that whole thing of you have to be a good seed to be an MVP and blah, 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 blah. But I understand the case for Curry. I mean, shoot, I mean, he definitely deserves it this year with the way he's playing. I mean, if he somehow just, you know, wills his team into a top five situation, I could definitely see some arguments going in, you know, well, you know, is he, you know, maybe an MVP, you know, get that – uh, Russell Westbrook, you know, uh, triple double kind of thing where you have, you know, Durant leave and then you go crazy and win, you know, a whole bunch of games and, you know, become the MVP. But um, 
I mean, yeah, right now I, I definitely don't see uh, why um, Chris Paul should get it. I'm not not quite in uh, on board with that. And I mean, I, I'm kind of worried for the Lakers. I'm not gonna lie. I mean, they, they have uh, they said ten to fourteen days until Davis returns, like two days ago, with LeBron close behind. Like, I think that means they leaves them with like at least 12, 15 games. Like it's May 18th is when the playoffs start. And it's like, yeah, that's coming up pretty quick. So we'll have to see if LeBron will have even time to get in shape um, considering like the short number of games left. I don't know. Um, and I'm not saying that Curry should be the MVP, yeah. but he's like, a, he should be a ballot guy. And I think the people that are making the argument for Chris Paul, they're not making him, they're not making the argument to be like, this guy should actually win the MVP. Exactly. It's more of like, let's consider this guy and let's get him on the ballot. Like, mm-hmm. I would just, I would rather have Curry in like that fourth fifth spot than Chris Paul. I think his season's been, been way yeah. better. Um, yeah, no, speaking of players who are trying to return, um, Kevin Durant has been around uh, for a couple games. They've been, actually, they're playing right now and, Durant has I think he started in this game or no he's he's been it seems like he's been on a minutes restriction uh right now 14 and 3 and against the Timberwolves they're destroying them um but yeah no one game that near his return that really made me like question whether he's really back was that last game against the Lakers where you know he didn't play like near the end of it and it was like what is going on and I mean, he still put up like 22, but um, I don't, I mean, I don't know with Durant, like it's, he's getting older and these injuries are starting to plot pile up. No one can question his talent. It's just whether his whole body can hold up. Wait, what's your take? Is this a, is Durant not going to be healthy take? Like I let's, let's work this out a little bit. Where's this going? I think, I think he still has some rust to shake off. I mean, I, I think this, this is t- similar to, like, the Lakers if the Lakers hadn't won a ship yet, you know, haven't won a championship where it's like, you know, now they have the benefit of the doubt. So it's like, well, you know, once it starts time to roll, they'll start rolling. But, you know, they have all these guys who, you know, they're still in need of mesh, and they haven't really played that many games together. I mean, even this game, like, Kyrie, I mean, he is out there, but, like, then James Harden's been out for a couple games, and he's out for our uh, KD was out for a couple games and it was, they're all taking turns. And I mean, even right now, uh, Harden isn't playing this game. So like, yes, there was that like 10 game, five game stretch where I was like, Oh my goodness, it's over. You know, they got it. But you know, I, I want to see it a couple more games, you know, like a li- definitely going into the playoffs. Um, they need a little, they need a little bit more time to mesh. Cause I don't think you can do just, you know, make a, a championship team, in like two weeks. So, I mean, <laughs> IE look at the Clippers. Um, but yeah, no, I definitely, I'm definitely saying there's some rust. There's some rust with these guys playing together. I definitely wouldn't get too worried about the Lakers game. Some games are just as simple as some teams didn't shoot well and one team shot amazing. And that's kind of what it was that night. Yeah. And especially with some of these good teams, like if you can tell early that you don't have it, then you kind of start cutting back the minutes and you kind of get to go, okay, like, We'll play everybody. We're not shooting well. If this game's not really close at the end, like we'll just we'll just live to see another day. We're fine. We're the Brooklyn Nets. Like we're gonna be okay. So I think that that's kind of what that game was. I wouldn't read too much into that as being like, is this is this gonna be the Brooklyn team that we're gonna see in the playoffs? And after the Lakers were just horrendous in the bubble and shooting, and then just like immediately flipped the switch mm-hmm. and made a run all the way to the finals, like. These, I just, these guys, I don't, they, it just seems like they can gel so much quicker now, especially since like Durant, I mean, when they brought in Harden, it was almost so instant how, how quickly he changed his game to fit with Durant. And then when Durant went out and it was him and Kyrie, he was doing, you know, he was, he switched his game even again to like fit with Kyrie. So these guys, I mean, and it's not like they've never played together. Like these guys are in, you know, USA camps, they're playing pickup games in the off season together. Like, I think they kind of understand how to play to play together. And when you have three, four, you know, maybe they're probably at an advantage where they're not running, like, Golden State system where it's like, okay, let's get everybody in here. 
and we need to gel because we have this particular system that we run. Yeah. It's more like we have these three creators and they sort of, they, they kind of know what they're doing on a basketball court and they make that work for each other. And it seems like you can, you can flip that switch quicker than like, than like we are running a particular offense. We do things a particular way. We have yeah. a particular like setup, maybe like in Golden State, but you know, in Golden State, they, they were fine. They basically won every year that they were healthy. So. Yeah, no, it seems like you had something down. Like, what is Kevin Durant chasing? I mean, I think, like, you know, with the whole Michael Rappaport thing, like him getting mad, I mean, I think KD, he's just, you know, he's gotten hate all his life, and, you know, he just wants people to regard him the GOAT like people do with, you know, Michael Jordan or LeBron. And, I mean, I don't think there are that many people out there who will. Like, I mean, it's, you know, there was something I was listening to a podcast uh, like it was two, three weeks ago. I may have mentioned this on the last one. Um, but you know, there's Bomani Jones made the point that like Kevin Durant is probably a better basketball player than Kobe Bryant. And people are, and it was like, wait, what? Like, are you, are you sure? Like what? But when you actually sit down and think about it, you're like, yeah, probably like, you know, considering their game and stuff. But, you know, there aren't that many Kevin Durant fans who are, like, going to defend him tooth and nail. And, you know, there's just so many other fans for other players who, you know, with, like, you know, Kobe RIP. But, you know, he he probably wasn't as good as Kevin Durant. It was really close. But, you know, in terms of scoring and defense and stuff like that, you know, it just it just seems like with all the – and Kevin Durant obviously pays attention to what people are saying – and in their rankings, you know, it's still LeBron, Kobe, and MJ. Like, and and I think that right now he's just he's 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 never going to get to that level because with each of those guys, they they uh, they had some kind of they had a fan base from a certain town because there was like a special connection to it. You know, MJ and Kobe they were with the team almost their whole careers. Kobe was, but, you know, MJ went to the Wizards and whatever. And then LeBron won that ship with Cat Cleveland, you know, and he brought a championship to a, you know, town where, you know, Cleveland isn't, you know, in a town here in Iowa, but it's not necessary. You know, like Verjao said, who wants to go visit Cleveland? Like, so I think each of those guys had one, like brought meaning to certain towns that, you know, wouldn't have had it otherwise, or, I mean, might have, but, you know, they brought meaning to and they elevated their towns to another level is what I'm trying to say. And KD hasn't done that. He's jumped a couple teams. I think if he won a championship in OKC and like actually stayed there and retired there, then he would be like where he wants to be. But he left. So, you know, they his his lovers became his haters. Did you see the comments he made this past week where he talked about how titles don't really motivate him anymore after he got that first one he's just sort of consumed with being the best version of a basketball player that he can possibly be did, did you yeah, see that I mean, that's cap but yeah because this is this, this was definitely like you know i'm sure this story made its way around espn for a day or two where you know what kevin durant's not motivated by titles like is this guy a winner all this stuff and i don't even care that he said that because a lot of guys in a lot of artists in different fields are, you know, they're, they're like, Hey, we're here to, we're here for the art and we're here to do, to, to be the best version of whatever we're making music, comedy, you know, movies, acting, anything like that. We're just going to be the best version of that that we can possibly be. So I don't, you know, if Durant's out here saying he's not motivated by titles, that's something, but I don't, yeah. I question the moves he's made in his career if those moves have put him in a position to be the best version of a basketball player that he can be. I mean, this is why he went to Golden State, obviously, because he wanted, you know, he wanted to kind of like refine this love of the game. He was going to be in the system. He was going to play with good team guys. He's going to win titles, all this stuff. But the Brooklyn move, like, if you're really out here to be the best version of a basketball player that you can be, exactly. is Brooklyn, I just have a hard time believing that Brooklyn's going to be the spot over Golden State. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it's Kevin Durant. I mean, anytime anyone questions what he does, he gets all angry and stuff. So, 
I mean, I can't even with him. And it's, you know, he watches media and the book that's pretty much written on him now is, you know, he wants to be considered better than LeBron, but you know, he, because he won those two rings, but you know, he got babied in golden state. So, you know, he doesn't deserve the title and constantly hearing that all the time from media, I understand does drain on you. But he doesn't have a filter. He doesn't care. He's going to tell everyone how he feels. And, you know, he's just that whole like TNT thing with Charles Barkley and all that, where he's like silent and all that. It's it's just little things like him and Kyrie. Maybe that's why they click so well. Him and Kyrie, they do like things to just make just just to prove a point. And it's like, OK, we get it. Like, you know, you're trying to prove a point, but. You know, and then Kyrie wasn't showing up, I think, for a couple of days. And they're like, oh, you know, is that an actual issue? Who knows? I mean, I think with the Nets, there's all these other storylines constantly going around the team. I just want to see them go out there and win a couple of games. And I mean, they most likely will. I'm not going to sit here and say they're not the favorites to win. I mean, they still are. I still expect them to beat everyone. Um. But that doesn't mean there isn't any worry, though. But you know, who knows? Uh, well, we'll it seems see. like it seems like these great players hit like a point in their careers where they have to think like big picture. They're like, okay, mm-hmm. how do I want to be remembered as a great basketball player? I mean, we saw this with LeBron after he won the 2016 title, and he's he's doing the Lee Jenkins pieces and all this stuff, and he's like, I'm just chasing the goat in Chicago. Like he knows. He's like, I'm trying to be. Exactly. known as the greatest basketball player of all time. Kobe did it. Kobe reworked his image after the Shaq years. He's like, you know, Mamba mentality, this crazy work ethic, all this, all the stuff that Kobe did, you know, he reworked that. Durant, it seems like his angle is like, I want to be the artist. Like I'm going to be the peak version of a basketball player. Like whatever, I don't know, whatever, whatever the number, whatever the best version of a, of a basketball player, like combination yeah. of talent, size, you know, what the amount of things that they can do on a court. Mm-hmm. Like, it seems like he's going for that. He wants to be Kevin Durant, the artist. Yeah. But I just, I have a hard time believing that Kevin Durant, the artist is going to happen with Kyrie versus going to happen with Curry. Yeah. I just feel like that situation... 10 times out of 10 is the situation where if you want to peak as a basketball player, you do it with Curry, you do it with Clay, Steve Kerr, all these guys that are kind of, they kind of want the same thing that you want. I mean, you know, I would think that they would say they're motivated by winning titles, you know, mm-hmm. but, but you know, they're, it's a high culture place. They're all very mm-hmm. smart. They're all, they're all kind of thinking the same way that Kevin Durant's thinking. And yet constantly throughout Kevin Durant's career, we've seen him, be confusing kevin durant's Mm -hmm. just a confusing player to try to figure out so i'm that's these comments they didn't really concern me because like again the title thing it is what it is but it just it proves that kevin durant is just continually like a confusing player and if kevin hey if you want to come and not be so confusing come on the pod we'll talk about it come on and we'll uh we'll have a conversation conversation, yeah yeah, the invitation's open for Kevin Durant, Always. that's for sure. <laughs> Always. Um, well, looking at some other t- teams, but definitely ones that are trying to be contenders, uh, the Raptors. Um, I mean, I, I definitely think with the Raptors, they, they kind of did what they should do, which is, you know, if they're still trying to win, try to la- do some last year thing, you know, but they're still kind of trading down. I think it was a smart move by jury to get, you know, Gary Trent and a pick and stuff like that. But I, I mean, I, I don't think the Raptors are going anywhere this year. I mean, it's, it's, it's not looking good. Well, more often than not, when they play against good teams, they lose pretty badly. I mean, they did, um, and when they, they just keep becoming, they're just disappointing so far and they're up and down. Now they win a couple, they lose a couple, but considering how badly they started off, they're just so far back now, you know, at 11th place. And I'm, I'm happy they didn't actually try to compete this year. I mean, I think they should have traded Kyle Lowry, but you know, maybe jury doesn't want to quite do his team like that. I mean, Nick nurse is. He's, I mean, he's set in his ways. The way, 
you know, he's probably, I mean, he's probably one of the most innovative coaches, but considering like how from the character, from what we can see outside, he just seems like one of those coaches who, you know, he's not going to take, you know, being screwed over, you know, having no play, having players, his best players traded away. He still, Nick Nurse still honestly believes this team can like, you know, go out there and, you know, fight with the big boys and it's like now you you lost Kawhi, and siakam can't replace him and it's as simple as that so i i definitely think that the raptors i mean they're they're about the area where they want to be if you want to be like a fringe playoff team but i think they should have just blown it up honestly here the the big picture question for stuff like this is because the spurs are in the same situation with the rosen where you have these like really talented players that could help contending teams, but they're probably a little too expensive, but they're also on expiring contracts. So you, your leverage with them is kind of, kind of weird. Like, is it just better to sell low on those guys and go, instead of losing the asset, we're just going to sell low. We're going to get whatever we can for it and just call it a day. Or is it better to just like keep these guys around and try to ride out whatever this version of the team could be, even if it's still like a low end playoff team. Well, I understand writing it out, but I don't think they should give up assets to try to make that ride a little better. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I think they should, you know, obviously with this team, they should, or your team as well, you know, give your guys some run, give them some playoff experience, give them a chance, you know, see some winning basketball. But, you know, I don't think they should give up picks to, you know, become from the 10th seed to the 8th seed. And, you know, they're like, oh, you know, they, then they get, kicked out in the first round instead of the playing games so you know i i mean i understand writing it out but i definitely think that you know with with the prompt you have of trading for hero i definitely don't think they should have given up assets to try to get better and i don't think miami was gonna let go of hero easily like especially after that playoffs i think they kind of really like him so and i mean his future is pretty bright as of right now at least as a competent you know point guard let alone even higher because you have, the, to me, the most interesting trade part of the trade deadline was this like little three-team battle going on between the Sixers, the Heat, and the Raptors over Kyle Lowry. And the, the battle was like, you know, obviously like which one of these teams is going to land Kyle Lowry? How do these teams manage like giving up too much for a guy that will obviously help you win the title? And but you don't want to sacrifice too much depth either. Like, you know, do the Heat want to give up all these players to bring in one guy? And now you're like, well, we already are kind of shallow. Like, and now we're way more shallow, but we have Kyle Lowry. Like, how do you balance all this stuff? But to me, the most interesting part was what what are the Raptors going to get for Kyle Lowry? Because I don't think he's going to resign there in free agency. I don't really know why he would. I guess it's just, I guess I'd. I'm not really speculating. I'm just what I would do if I was him. I don't really know why I would resign in Toronto. Yeah. I guess unless you're just chasing a paycheck. So you have this asset and they already traded Powell for Gary Trent. And like you said, a pick, it looks like a nice, nice little trade there, but mm-hmm. isn't it, would it just be better to just try to overpay to get a young guy like hero? And now you have hero, you have Siakam, you have Ananobi, you sort of have like a package of young guys and, you might not be a playoff team, obviously, but at least you have future building blocks and, you know, you get Lowry's the expiring anyways. And if you were going to get rid of Powell because you don't want to pay him, he might even opt out of his contract at the, at the end of the year and sign a new deal. I don't, in the NFL, it's beneficial to like hit free agency as many times as possible because you can just get, especially if you're a quarterback, like you just get paid it more and more and more yeah. every time. So with the with the new CBA coming up for the NBA in a couple of years, is Powell just going to try to try to ride out free agency until that CBA comes in, and then he can get more money? Like who you know who knows how all that stuff works? He's only going to make like ten million dollars next year if he opts in. So you're giving up these guys that you might not even have on your roster next year for a young guy like Hero, who, like you said, the Heat might not given him have given him up, but let's just assume that if you overpay for him, like maybe they will. Is it better to just do that. Just overpay, get the asset, and now you have this collection of young guys. To me, that just seems to be the way to go. I mean, yeah, no, if they could definitely steal Hero, 
would have been great. But I think to get Hero, they might have they, the Raptors might be the ones throwing something extra in the trade. So, you know, I don't I don't know. I mean, I don't I don't know what both of the teams were looking at. Um, I mean, Hero definitely. If it was just a straight up trade like Lowry for Hero, I'd definitely you know I'd definitely take that, and I think both sides would take that. But you know, right now, well, the Heat wouldn't do that though. The Heat wouldn't do that. Like if if you had to even like throw in, like I said, give them Lowry. If you're throwing in Powell, and then you have to bring in these other teams to make the contracts work. However, that works. You know, yeah. they traded a couple of their bench guys for some, for like four or five second round picks. So now you have these picks that you can deal out yeah. to other teams to take on like big salaries. Like mm. I again, I don't really know if there's a way that they could have made that work, but yeah. if there was a way to. Explain that it just to me it seemed like they were like it seemed like they thought they were in the driver's seat with the Lowry deal exactly. because they had him and I mm. I think it was actually the other way around I think the Spurs made the same problem with DeRozan I think they thought that they were in the driver's seat with DeRozan and they're just going to end up getting nothing in return for him and that is you know that that's going to be what it's going to end up what it's going to be but no, especially when you're even like even the Sixers, even if you go to the Sixers and you can get guys like Maxi mm-hmm. and Milton or Fiebel, like all these young guys that you, mm-hmm. and now you have them to pair with Siakam. So you go, okay, let's build this thing around Siakam yeah. or you trade him. Maybe the, maybe the Warriors give, give you Wiseman in the, in the Timberwolves pick for Siakam and something like who knows, but at least you, at least you give yourself flexibility for the future instead of giving yourself like this weird false promise of these last like 20 games where you may be like the eight or the nine seed. To me, that just seems to be the better option. Yeah. They definitely needed some remake. I mean, I definitely agree with you there. Uh, Yeah. They definitely needed a new, new guy uh, because that team right now it's, it's, it's up and down. They have their nights, but I'm definitely not a subscriber to that. Um, but looking at it, it's another team that's looking for a remake at quarterback, switching gears. Um, I don't think it's really an argument if Mac Jones or Justin Fields. I mean, I think Justin Fields is the better quarterback. It's just they like Mac Jones, so that's what they're going with. Like, I mean, not to act, but I mean, from my sources, they're saying they'd be shocked if they were getting not Mac Jones. So. It seems pretty locked in, but I think Justin Fields is just a better player. I mean, he would have made that throw uh, to beat the to win the Super Bowl instead of Jimmy G. I'm yeah, sure. I mean, we're talking we're talking about the 49ers trading 49ers the third pick yeah. for the Niners. I just I'm confused. One that even just straight up, if you put Garoppolo and Mac Jones side by side, and you said you could have either one. I mean, I would probably pick Garoppolo just because I'm a Garoppolo guy. But even if you watched him play, I yeah. don't think that there's things that Mac Jones does that Garoppolo doesn't do. Like, I maybe he's a little he's a little better at stepping up and like moving around in the pocket. And I'm going to ask you about that in a second too. But like, maybe he does that. Maybe he's, a, you know, I just yeah. I was watching his pro day right before this podcast actually, and I'm oh. watching a lot of highlights just because I'm trying to find out like. What what does he do that Jimmy G doesn't do? And I honestly I can't really figure it out. Maybe he he doesn't turn the ball over as much, but you know, at college being in Alabama, like who exactly. knows what how his numbers compare. Yeah, those are a lot. I have a hard yeah, hard time in how Mac Jones is the upgrade over Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah, no, he isn't. He isn't as simple as that. Um yeah. No, I mean, they're, you know, just Justin Fields is going down the draft and, you know, there are some, you know, racial stuff with that, you know, big quarterback, not great at reads, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, I, I, I don't think at this point, I don't think there's anything that either quarterback can do to change Shanahan's mind. Uh, I'm pretty sure they're pretty set. And considering that they're off, considering that they're that the 49ers are that high in the draft. I do think Jimmy G, you know, he's not he's on the market right now. I think that if there's a team that throws in a good offer, I don't know Carson Wentz in the first round, who knows. Um, I definitely think that they could definitely snag uh Jimmy G. Some team should actually actually try though. Like maybe, you know, Jacksonville, you know, throw or I guess they're getting Trevor Lawrence, but 
you know, I could I could see some team like maybe the Bears. You know, they they could quite they could knock find out. Um, uh, let's see, Jets. You know, there's there's a couple teams out there. You know, maybe the Giants get someone to kick out Jones because you know who knows. So I think I think there are teams around the league if you really sit down and think about it, like they could definitely use a Jimmy G on their team. If the Colts had gone to the 49ers and made the exact same offer that they had made for Carson Wentz, and maybe they even just go, you know what, that pick that's conditional on whether or not we make the playoff or not, we'll just give you the first round pick anyway. Like, would they would they really have turned that down for Jimmy Garoppolo when clearly I when clearly they haven't really been Team Jimmy this whole time? Like, he's been on the market for like two or three years now. It seems like they've yeah. constantly been rumored that they've been wanting to upgrade a quarterback. If they had just made the same exact offer that they made for Carson Wentz, maybe without the protections, like would I just I don't think they would have said no. Yeah, I don't think they would have hung up the phone. At least you could have worked exactly. something out. I'm just I'm just salty that the Colts don't have Garoppolo and they have Carson Wentz. This is honest. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be honest. That's really what this is about. I'm just yeah. salty. Yeah. No, I definitely. I mean, with Jimmy G, I'm I'm surprised no team has started like seriously asking questions about whether to bring him on. Um, I mean, I would have said the Panthers, maybe the Panthers as well. You know, to fight with Darnold for that spot, probably beat him. Um, I mean, there, there are a couple of teams. There's a lot of teams that could use a quarterback right now. Who knows what's going on with Watson even? I mean, I can't even – I don't even know, man. Like, that's that's a whole nother situation. So, there are definitely like five or six teams that would, all could use Jimmy G. Um, but considering that you guys now do have a quarterback, which I definitely think is an upgrade, what are some, what are some of the holes that you're looking to draft to fill up here? Oh, wait, I just let me finish this one thing on the oh, Garoppolo right. thing real quick, just because he. I just I feel like this this trade is so unfair for him, not just because they could potentially be replacing us, uh, replacing him as a starter, but you're also just losing the ability to just have this to just grab like another like really incredible player. Like they could, they could if, if let's just assume they they make the trade and they're trading up for three. Like they could grab Kyle Pitts, and now they have. Pitts yeah. and Kittle and Samuel and Ayuk, and now they have like this real awesome collection of skill guys. Mm. Maybe they go defense. I don't think there's anybody there in that spot. So maybe if they stayed at 12, maybe Parsons falls to them. He's mm. sliding down boards for, you know, off. Looks like we're having a little interruption. Give us a moment. I think he's back. There we go. What were you saying with uh, 49ers, other options? Yeah, so you have, you have all these potential ways you could make your team better, and then you trade up in the first round. You're going to take a quarterback. They don't even need him to play this year, which, again, is not, not something new. But if you're going to take a quarterback that you want to sit, mm. you want him to be – you want to have, like – you want to have like the Pat Mahomes guy, but like, you want to have the guy that you go, okay, we know this guy's going to develop into something that's way more special than the guy we have now. Exactly. Again, I just, I don't see, and maybe he is an upgrade. Even if Mac Jones is an upgrade over Garoppolo, I don't see him being like the end all be all upgrade mm -hmm. for sacrificing a pick this year and then two picks in the future. So you've basically given up three years of adding first round guys. Yeah, to bring in a quarterback that I don't necessarily think is going to be a major upgrade. So I think this trade's very unfair for Garoppolo, and this team should be trying to to put together a Super Bowl team. Like this is they're one year removed, and basically, you know, they had the year from hell. They had all the injuries. Everybody was hurt, and they lost some guys this year in off season. So they have a chance to like fill some needs in the draft, and they're going to take a guy that's not even going to play for them this year, like. Exactly. We just saw the Packers do that. We just saw them do it with Aaron Rodgers, and they they probably could have used a guy that they could have, you know, they could have used like, uh, you know, I'm not going to remember all the guys that went after Jordan Love, but yeah. you know, like a, some 
safety corner. Like they could have, they could have drafted somebody to take up the Kevin King spot. Yeah, that's such a you know, at the, in the end of the first round, instead of taking the guy that's not going to play. I just, mm-hmm. if these teams out here trying to win Super Bowls, like you have to get better every year, especially exactly. when Tampa's adding pieces. You know, your teams are going to do something. They're going to they're going to get better somehow. So you have to keep adding these pieces, and they're they're not going to do it. Uh, now they Fields and everything I said is to be wrong because I like Fields and I think he's he's really good. So uh, if they take Fields and I would go, yeah, awesome, great draft pick. They did it. They're they set up for the future and all that stuff. But there you go. If the report that we heard is they're high on Mac Jones, very high. I that's to me is uh to me is just not good team building. Yeah, no, that's that's tough. I mean, I definitely. Don't see the, the the reason for that much love with Mac Jones. I mean, he has – that's one thing always with the Alabama, you know, the law of Alabama college football is, you know, they're playing – they practice against better guys than they usually play. Like, it's – their teammates are just so good on, on, all over the team. They're – I mean, the amount of wide receivers that going in the first round from that school every year. I mean, you had Jerry Judy, you know, there's – it's – it's just such a long list with this year. Now you have Devontae Smith, Waddle. You know, he was injured, and he still looked decent out there against in the championship game. I mean, it's it's definitely not that it's, – it's, it's that the team's so good. So, it's not that, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely – he's definitely not better than field. So, we'll see what the 49ers – And do. I don't – how – I was going to ask you about this too. Like how has the Tua piece of this not factored in where Tua was like one of the elite, elite quarterback prospects that we've ever had at the position. Yeah. And we, and now he comes into the NFL and he's surrounded around less talent. And it seems like, well, maybe he didn't actually see the field as well as we thought he did in college. And he's a little limited. And we thought he was like one of the elite, elite prospects. So you have Mac Jones who's playing in the same system with the same elite players. And I know I'm going hard on Mac Jones. I don't want to, I don't want to seem like I, I don't think he's like a good player. He could be like a real good player. I'm just, we're talking about him being like the third overall pick and having to give up like three first round picks to get him. Like we're talking about him in that level of prospect more so like a guy that's going to fall in the first round. So just to, to be clear, but Again, we see like we see an elite quarterback prospect playing in this Alabama system going into the NFL and not being as good as he was in college. Mm. And now we have Mac Jones, who's not quite as good of a prospect, and he's playing with the same elite talent. And I don't feel like there was ever a point in the season where we were watching Mac Jones going, "Yeah, that's the guy. That's the guy right there. That's that's the quarterback." So I, you know, how I don't understand how that two of that we haven't heard that. Because when Tua was coming out, all we heard was Alabama quarterbacks don't do well in the NFL. Exactly. And then that storyline supposedly like completely shifted with Mac Jones. Well, I haven't heard that at all from him yeah, or from people talking about him, anyways. I don't know. I mean, it'll, it'll, they'll, we'll see the results. I mean, he would have been the number one pick if he didn't have his injury issues. It was just, you know, once he had that huge injury and he had to get airlifted and stuff like that, it was like, whoa, like, are we sure? You know, so. Well, I mean, I think Tua this second year will definitely be playing a lot better. They definitely need to trust him more. But, yeah, we should see. Um, so did, did you do some deep dive drafting for your team there? I did. I think I found – I got a couple of guys that I'm looking at. And okay. weirdly, both of them were guys that sat out the season mm-hmm. and that, like, really affected their stock because they weren't playing and they had some injury problems. So the Colts – what they really well they, they need some they need a couple things they need a tackle to replace Costanzo they still need more weapons yeah but I've been really looking at the defensive pieces um, the two guys that I really like are Gregory Rousseau from Miami who I'm getting a little nervous because I think he's starting to slide up draft boards a little bit Uh-oh. and then the other guy is doing the opposite thing Caleb Barley the cornerback from Virginia Tech he's sliding down draft boards a little bit. So both of those guys I've had my eye on and uh-huh. Rousseau Rousseau had 15 and a half sacks the year he played. And he's kind of in this tier with like these, like unpro- I don't want to call them like unproductive, but like these low stat, but like high athlete players, like mm-hmm. Quiddy pays one of them. 
Um, Penn State has a defensive lineman. I'm gonna I'm gonna mess up his name. It's Jason Jason something. I'm I'm not gonna attempt to say his last name. It starts yeah. with an O. So just look up when you guys are looking up your drafting. Just it's there you Jason go. O. Um, you know Georgia's got this like three four outside linebacker pass rusher. Um, yeah. I'm not gonna try to say his name either. But um, you, there's like all these guys in like this middle of the first round draft that are these like high athlete guys, but they weren't producing anything in college. And you have Rousseau, who is the same exact physical specimen of all these guys. And yet when he played, he had 15 and a half sacks. And somehow this guy is like in the same tier as these guys. To me, that doesn't make any sense. And when I'm, when I'm looking at defensive linemen for the Colts, I mean, they've got DeForest Buckner there, who's just this like mm-hmm. huge long arm block swallowing, uh, like interior defensive linemen. So you're going to have to have guys that can like beat tackles one-on-one on the edge. That's one of the reasons I really want them to take a defensive lineman is because right. I feel like that guy, guy. that guy's going to, yeah, that guy's going to have a better chance to succeed because mm-hmm. they're going to be playing next to like Buckner yeah. instead of like a corner who you're going to put him on the outside by himself and mm-hmm. he can just get picked on all the time. And even if, if they, they're bringing Xavier Rhodes back, like if he's good and then you just have this rookie over here, that's just getting, you know, thrown out like every time, like he's just going to get picked on. Yeah. So Rousseau is like the same thing. He's like, uh, as Buckner, he's just like this big long armed, highly productive defensive end. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think that that guy has a real successful, like a real chance to be successful next to Buckner. That's the guy I really like. All right. Yeah, no, I haven't done any NFL draft stuff. I've been kind of busy with the, uh, with the NBA one, but yeah, no, it'd definitely be, I mean, also with the NFL, you know, my team is all the way at the bottom. So it's like, yeah, you know, if we get a good player, nice, if we don't, it'd be all right. But, um, I guess with my team, the only news is that, uh, Andy Reed's son got charged with the DUI. So that was, that was some sad news that, well, sad that it happened in the first place, but you know, there's some sad news for Chiefs kingdom right now, but and in terms of our team, I mean, we're just... Are you guys ready to... Are you ready to give up on Clyde Edwards-Alaire and take Najee Harris at the end of the first round? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I think I, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, it, there is no problem with him. It's just he got injured one time, and we didn't trust him for some dumb reason. So I, I definitely think we'll be fine. We don't, we don't need to use a draft pick on him. I mean... We did release Damian Williams, so it's like I don't know what happened there. Maybe he just got out of shape. Um, so we do only have Daryl Williams and Dwarren Thompson as our backup. So I mean, we could use a running back, but I don't think it's to replace Claire um, Hilaire. I don't know, know why I called him Claire, but uh, I will say I think I think losing the Super Bowl could be beneficial for you guys in this way because. It felt like you guys got a little too cute when you like you were feeling yourselves a little bit too much after. Well, definitely. Like, well, let's just add to this awesome offense and let's take running back, even though Damian Williams was like this random. Like you can just find these guys that you can just like have like random like game awesome stretches. Like it seems like you can just find them anywhere. So maybe losing the Super Bowl, like you guys don't get too cute in the dragon that fell a little bit or yeah, you got like these, like. Oh, I think we're breaking up on that game a little bit. Up oh, there we go. We're back. Yeah, no, we definitely got cutesy in the NFMB, uh, the Super Bowl. Pressure type guys like that I just mentioned. Mm-hmm. So, no, we could definitely use some linemen, all linemen. We need help, all the help for Mahomes, but obviously we don't need that many holes. I mean, we're, you know, one of the best teams. So, um, definitely no hate on them. Um, and one of the best shows right now running Captain America, Winter Soldier. Uh, Captain, or yeah, well, it is Captain America, but you know, Falcon and the Winter Soldier is the official name of the show. Really good ending. It's almost done. I think it's this next this week is the what do they call it? the Penel Pen Ultimate episode. So the one, so we got like two more episodes left. What did you think of this last episode and the series in general? 
between the two Marvel shows that have come out, WandaVision and Falcon and the Winter Soldier, it took what, like nine episodes of WandaVision, three episodes. So like 14, this was like the 14th episode they've done so far. Mm-hmm. It took 14 episodes to completely stun me because that episode, I'm not going to lie, that was an awesome episode. Like at the end of it, when uh, we'll do this, I guess I'll say spoiler alert here. Yeah, spoilers. We'll, talk, we'll talk about it a little spoilers, bit. Man. Spoiler alert if you haven't seen it. The shot at the end where he's holding the shield and it's blood all over the bottom. I mean, my mouth was like total, like on the floor, draw dropped, stunned. It was incredible. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, probably, uh, I mean, Agnes, it was pretty obvious that she was, um, you know, Agatha Harkness. So we kind of knew that one coming in. And with that show, you know, it was there was there is way crazier theories out there about what was going to happen. So when what happened did, it was like, oh, that's it. You know, it wasn't that big. But with this show, I think like its main downfall is because it's such a normal kind of like run of the mill. Like it's a great show still, but because it's, you know, it's, you know, what's going on, you know, who's the bad guy, you know what they're running from. It's it's a little less engaging than WandaVision. You know, there's less mystery. I'm definitely not looking up like breakdowns of it because, you know, it's more straightforward. I kind of know what's going on. You know, it's not like, oh, well, you know, is the show doing this? Is it doing that? It will become more powerful. So, I mean, I don't think it's as, you know, crazy changing as WandaVision. But I do think that it is still, you know, impactful. I think it covers more of a realistic you know, version of what does the Marvel world actually look like? Like you go out the door and walk around. How does it look like? How do people relate to each other? How countries are relating to each other, how they're recovering, you know, what are the people who are dealing with the worst of it doing? So, I I mean, I like how realistic it is. You know, they're like, Oh, Baron Zemo, you're rich. And he's like, yeah, I'm a Baron. (laughs) I thought that was funny. Like, you know, it's, it's the little thing. So, this show is definitely more worried about, you know, little things going on, stuff like that. Um, and, uh, yeah, no, that that with the bloody shield, I thought he was just going to beat him up a little bit. I didn't think he was going to take his shield and shove it in this guy's chest. And it was crazy. Um, I mean, I have some family members who are saying that, you know, Carly watched it happen and she should have jumped in and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, no, she didn't watch it happen. She pulled up at the last minute. I don't think I don't think it suddenly changes the referendum on Carly because she watched her, you know, she came at the last minute and didn't def- defend her, you know, significant other or love interest because he was getting beaten up by a super soldier with a shield. So, I mean, it's it's a it's a great show. I like the character development. And, uh, yeah, I can't wait to see where it'll go from here. Definitely uh, have to see who's the power broker. That's the main mystery right now. Looks like the connection's a little trippy. Try to get some uh, last words from Remington on the show. About the show, Winter Soldier and Falcon. Um, but yeah, some more thoughts about the show. You know, I, I mean, I don't think that uh, Sharon is Power Broker. I don't know who Power Broker is. I think he's some third character. I don't think, you know, Zemo is going to come out of somewhere and be like, oh, I was him all along. Because, you know, he knew he would have known where stuff is. So, you know, the power broker is probably some third guy, some big bad evil. And chances are we'll probably see him in the next episode. We'll see what he'll uh, what his plan is right now, because it looks like it's pretty much just to kill uh, Carly and 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 be done with it. Um, But, you know, Carly now with the serum broken, you know, now she doesn't have a choice. So we'll have to see. I mean, I definitely like the whole scene of them destroying it. Um, I wish they had shown a scene of Captain America or U.S. agent or whatever you call him taking the serum. I mean, instead of us assuming like, oh, I guess, well, he took the serum because he just bent a pipe. Um, But it was pretty obvious that Battlestar, his his sidekick was going to die from the beginning. I mean, he's kind of his conscience, his stabilizer. And now with with him dead, you know, and him seeing it, he's off the rails. It's over with. Like, he's not going to listen to anyone, especially with that super soldier serum. 
which by the way, that one Wakanda, you know, Sierra Milaje, that guard scene. Oh my goodness. That was a ridiculous scene. Um, we haven't gotten much from Wakanda for a long while now. And since the passing of Chadwick Boseman, RIP, you know, it would be really interesting to see what they do with the character, the country, the development, the whole culture. But I mean, that was a great scene. Um, John Walker really got the work and he's like, they're not even super soldiers like, you know, and, you know, Bucky got his arm completely off. So that was crazy scenes. I mean, they're, they're scenes that, you know, were some of the best in the shows right now. And uh, this show is definitely unlike, you know, just like WandaVision, but unlike all the other shows, it's definitely on another level. You can tell they put a little extra money in there, put a little extra effort. They were thinking about these for a little longer instead of like the whole, you know, the whole uh, series with uh, Iron Fist and Daredevil and all those, which don't mind, mind you, aren't bad shows, but, you know, they're not movie like like these ones. So we'll definitely have to see how the this week's turns out. I can't wait, you know, count down the days. Can't wait to watch it, but. I think considering the issues uh, we have with connection, I think we'll end it right here. We're about at the end. So thanks for listening. Um, hopefully I get the last pot up. We are having a little issues with it, but we should get that done. And uh, yeah, check out the rest of stuff on spot.media. We're trying to get stuff up. We're more than happy to. And yeah, catch you on the next one.